wilder, wilder, wilder. We are doing Dr. Death, which is no yeah, way to start. Thanks for that, Hollister. Thank you so much. Uh, you know what? You're going to thank me. When we're done with this conversation, I promise you, you're going to thank me. Fantastic. Before we get to that, how about that Reese Witherspoon, huh? Yeah. Tell me all about her. Well, selling her company for $900 million, of which she'll probably walk away with $240 million, all because she wanted to make movies. She's at a certain age where she wasn't being offered movies, and she thought, I'm going to buy the books myself. I'm going to do these movies myself. And she is coupled with such, a, you know, Jennifer Aniston, Nicole Kidman. I mean, part of it is the talent that she's brought in, but part of it is she was smart. She bought great books and made them Mm -hmm. into scripts that could be uh, very compelling to a lot of women and good for her. Right. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, Well, I do have one bone to pick. That is she sold it to Blackstone media and which by the way, is an offshoot of Blackstone, which was one of those big conglomerates in wall street that did has done very, very well. Mm -hmm. But now two men are taking over to run it. I think, I'm not sure she didn't have the power to say, hey, we're going to continue with some, at least some female gender management at the top level. She will still be doing a lot, I believe. But nonetheless, was it a sellout? Like how much money matters, you know? I mean, you tell me what women she could have sold to, though. Well, she didn't have to sell to women, but she could have said to Blackstone, I'm happy to sell you my company, but we're going to keep at least 50% of every top management position is going to be based on female gender. I mean, she could have done that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe she still will. Who knows? It's already laid out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, she walks away, but yeah, Hey, you know, I think the one thing we have to remember about this is that she has agency and I'm sure she can get out of this deal if she doesn't like it and she can start it all over again. And I'm behind her hundred percent. I think it's great that women get money because the more money you have, the more you can make change and I'm all for it. But I did sort of wonder at the fact that two men will be president of this company. What else is new? (laughs) There you go. I know. I know. I know. Hello, hello, hello. And so now we can move on to Dr. Death. Yippee. Was this was this my idea? It was, right? For sure. For sure your idea. <laughs> okay. So it's based on Wondery's Dr. Beth podcast series. Okay. And we're led through this, I don't know, it's like we're led through this nightmare of being under a knife. I mean, we all have that if you've been under a knife, you know, with a possible sociopath with no recourse. And as we watch in eight episodes, slowly turning the knife and hammer on the operating table. And we realize that no one in the operating room is going to stop this man from ruining a life or taking one for that matter. And the funny thing is, that's not even what the story's about, you know? By the way, I'm getting a hip replacement in a month or two, so I don't think I should have been watching this, you know? Yeah, do your homework. (laughs) I I will. But the story's... (laughs) really about the corrupt system. And there's no surprise from my point of view that the medical profession is protecting possible profits and one of their own far past the time when that person should have been removed. Well, yeah, just to clarify for everyone, this is based on the true story of yeah. Dr. Christopher Dunch out of Dallas, who was an ortho, well, he was, sorry, he was a neurosurgeon who claimed to be one of the top in his field and was accredited. Well, he talked his way in the door of I'm fabulous 
And people, it just goes to show the smokes and mirrors. If you say something enough times, whether it's true or not, people believe you. Well, and if you have the right recommendations. Well, you know, he had the creds, no question. It's fascinating to watch because it's Joshua Jackson, who my generation grew up with as Pacey on Dawson's Creek. And he truly is one of the most charming actors you will ever see out there. And he uses that to his full advantage in this role. But not only that, this, I decided, I mean, I'm glad that you want to talk about the people in it first, because while I think the script is well-written and I think the storyline is compelling, we're talking about eight episodes to keep me, when I know from the first episode how it should end, so. Uh, It's also told very complicated. The story, it's told in like three different timelines, yep. it's jumping around. It doesn't really give you clues. It gives his backstory. Is he a sociopath? Is he not? You know, Right, and they don't answer that question, which I guess is fine. They kind of want you to walk away answering the question yourself. But I will say it was a lot of fun to watch Alec Baldwin and Christian Slater. It was a lot of fun to watch them. Let's start with Joshua. That was a really hard role to play. He has to show incredible depth of, you know, bravado and fear and sociopath. Uh, So many different elements to it. And he has to go back in time a bit. So he has to be younger, older. And he did it with great nuance, as did every single person in this cast, I think. Yeah, it's a really interesting role because, and this was a question I had and I couldn't find an answer to it. But one of the things I was wondering- Ask me, Wilder. I know the answers to lots of questions. Oh, fantastic. One of the things I was wondering about Dr. Christopher Dunch is if they ever looked into whether or not he had dyspraxia. Well, I thought he had dyslexia right from the, you know, from- Well, dyspraxia is, it's dyslexia, but for your body right? The messages that your brain is sending to your hands and your feet don't correlate correctly. And so dyspraxia, like you, you get things backwards by accident, right? So you switch things in your order of how you're supposed to do them. You don't have hand-eye coordination or foot coordination, right? You're very awkward and you, you can't make your body work the way that it's supposed to. And the way that he goes about his surgeries, he knows what he's supposed to do. He knows where everything's supposed to be, but he can't seem to do it the way that it's supposed to be done. And he can't, he, he even has trouble telling his right from his left apart. Well, it's interesting because in the backstory, they show that he just keeps trying harder as he fails. Right. More. But what's interesting is I went back and looked at a lot of the footage from the actual trial and the interviews of his family and mm-hmm. the people who, uh, there were 33 people he basically desecrated mm-hmm. on the operating table, two of whom died. And one of the things, his father in an interview, they were I think he was trying to make a case for how he shouldn't go to uh, jail for life, which is what happened to him in real life. And he said, well, he just wasn't able to do what he so wanted to do. And so they said, well, why didn't he stop? And he said, well, he just wanted to keep trying harder so he could do it. But as if that were enough like well and maybe that's okay if you're trying to play the clarinet but it's (laughs) not okay if you're cutting people open on an operating table and taking their lives from them and I will say I do think the show is pretty heavy-handed when it comes to the gore I didn't need to see that's what all the bone crack I mean it is it is a 
difficult show to watch. Well, you know, I didn't find it difficult at all. And the person I live with, he was like, I can't watch this. After the first episode, he couldn't watch anymore, even though it gets, yeah. the first episode is the hardest, I think. I think they're all hard. It's in every episode. There's yeah, but not, not the way it was. And he's not doing. Yeah, but a, a number of people, I read a lot of the comments that have been written on IMDb and a number of places. People say, stick with episode one and two, and then you'll slide through the rest because it's well worth it after those. But let's get back to the people. I thought Joshua Jackson was amazing. And then Alec Baldwin, I Christian Slater, I didn't even recognize him. I never do. Oh, he's so great. He's so versatile and he can really play anything. And the guy he plays could be totally so outrageous. You wouldn't buy it at all. But instead Mm -hmm. you just want to see more of him. You know, he's just, they make a really cute little nod to Mr. Robot. in I think the first or second episode where, uh, they're trying to find records on things and and he makes a comment about how he's not really good with that computer hacking stuff. Yeah. And it made, made me laugh pretty good. Also, Alec Baldwin, you know, it's been a long time since he's had a nuanced role where he doesn't overplay anything. There's no exaggeration. Or he's not the the humor, right? He's very much the straight man in this piece. And he, you know, it's almost like he slides through He shows up for every single thing, totally present, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't overact one minute of any episode. I thought it was great. No, he does have, he has a really powerful moment in the finale that is definitely worth sticking around for to ground your perspective in this. If if you are going to watch it, it is worth you don't necessarily need to watch every episode to see how they get to the finale. I, if you're not loving the show, you can probably skip a couple episodes and get to the finale and not have missed very much story. Well, a number of people did that. They watched episodes one, three, and the last one. So I don't know, up to you, but yeah. You know, I do think the story with his physician's assistant, Grace Gummer, who I love, who is uh, the great Meryl Streep's daughter. She is. And not only that, she hasn't done much since the newsroom that I felt was really worthy of her chops. And I think that the newsroom part she played in uh, Aaron Sorkin's newsroom is probably what got her this role. It's very close to it. And she is very good. She's very good in it. Everyone in this show has a very difficult moral question at the center of this because they don't know, they're not sure what to do, right? Nobody knows whether he knows what he's doing if he's doing this on purpose. I think they think they're in the twilight zone. Like this can't be happening. What's frustrating in watching it is like, how the hell did nobody do anything about this guy? Right. And it's, it is, it's a failing of the system, right? He, he, this is a case of a straight white man who continues to fail upward, right? This is, it's so frustrating to watch because of his bravado and he thinks he's God and he can do whatever he wants. I will say I did struggle with a lot of the filmmaking um, really? there was, there's an episode in there where, um, it's actually when they introduce Grace Gumber's character and they just take all the, all the sound out of the, the scene. There's no dialogue. You're like now suddenly seeing text on the screen and it's like you're in a, a French new wave film out of the sixties suddenly. And you're like, where the hell did this come from? It's a lot of fun, but that's not the show I think I was watching. Yeah, uh, and the storytelling is also all over the place. I mean, the flipping back in time, I didn't think it was really necessary. I think if you're going to do something like that in a show like this, stick to two time periods, right? Stick to 
what got us here and where we are now. I actually think they would have been really well serviced by maybe grounding it in the court case and having that be our present, right? How to build our case, how to nail this guy. And then going back and telling the stories of these patients and how they, and then give us a bottle episode, right? One episode that shows us in college, how he failed out of Colorado. And, you know, in that way, I'm at least grounded in the story. I know where we are. I know when we are, I know what's happening. And I found myself often looking at the screen going, wait, where are we now? What, when was this? What well, time period are we in? It's funny. I think what they were trying to do, I'm not sure, but I think what they were trying to do is, again, you're not clear whether he's a sociopath or just incompetent, and maybe it doesn't matter. But I think the jumping around was to keep you off balance and without decision, as to what he is. And I think that jumping around does that because it's like they go from this horrendous moment when you think this guy is a sociopath and needs to be destroyed. And then you go back to his background and you think, well, maybe he's just a dyslexic. I mean, it it just constantly keeps you off balance. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that was his intent, although he maybe didn't execute it as well. I agree that that's probably their intent, but I think if your story is strong enough, you don't need clever editing to get me there. Right. I should. I if, I if you're writing is strong enough, I shouldn't need to be disoriented by your storytelling in order to be compelled one way or another by your character. But the sleeper star in this, in my mind, is Hubert Point de Jure. OK, he plays. I, I don't even know who that is. He plays the operating room head nurse. Oh, he's great. I was oh, going to say. Oh, my God. Uh, we've seen him in Law and Order. You've seen him in The Good Wife. He does a lot of episodes in major series. So you've mm-hmm. seen him before, not necessarily memorably, but I think that this particular role should get him a lead somewhere, especially as mm-hmm. uh, more diverse films are being made and, and series are being made where we're, people of color have a better opportunity to actually sure. play roles. But I thought he was a sleeper. I thought he was great. Every time he was on the screen, I looked at him more than Alec Baldwin, which is hard because I love seeing Baldwin on the screen. That's interesting. I was actually going to say Anna Sophia Robb, who plays the uh, assistant DA who decides to take on this case. I got yeah. very strong Holly Hunter vibes from her in this, which do, I was Do you love happy. Holly Hunter? Are you I all... love Holly Hunter. Okay, best scene ever of Holly Hunter is... Take a moment. Take a moment. <laughs> How to... It must... It must be wonderful to know you're the smartest person in the room. (laughs) Okay. No, it's awful. (laughs) Okay. And the movie is? Broadcast News. Okay. It's so funny because the best moment I think is also from Broadcast News, but it's when she unplugs the phone in her hotel room in a very organized and, and, and deliberate way. She then sobs for about 30 seconds, then looks at her watch, plugs it back in and is totally there. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. Cause she yeah. does that several times throughout the movie, but when, when her boss pulls her outside at that party, and she's begging him to let her do what she no, wants to right. do. No, you're right. It's great. And yeah. he tells her it must be wonderful to know that you are the smartest person in the room always. And In she a sarcastic way, by the way. In a yeah, sar- and she says, yeah. no, it's awful. <laughs> I watched that movie with my father, and he very, very pointedly stared at me during that scene. <laughs> well, there um, you go. Uh, it's good. Now, it's, all, it's also on Peacock. Yes, which we haven't done Peacock yet. 
Yep. Um, I will say this is my second Peacock show. I watched Girls 5 Eva, which if you are a Tina Fey fan, if you liked Kimmy Schmidt or 30 Rock, you'll like Girls 5 Eva. It's a lot of fun. It's Sarah Bareilles and um, Renee Ellis from Hamilton. She played Angelica. She won a Tony for it. You'll love Girls 5 Eva. It's a lot of fun. It's a little frenetic, but it's a lot of fun. This is very different than that, obviously. And this was, I'll be honest, this was not my favorite. I thought there were a lot of great things in it, but I thought it probably could have been six episodes. You know, I was going to say it could have been four. If yeah. to be honest, it could have been four. Yeah, maybe five. I think five would have been fine, right? I think, I think one of the things you need to know about him is his slimy character, right? That he has this greater than God persona. And well, it's a fake persona based on no ego whatsoever, but yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because he waffles, right? You don't know what he believes yeah. about himself, right? Does he think that he's God's gift or is it all posturing, right? And they never answer that question for you, except there is one moment in the finale where his defense finally figures out how to defend him and he doesn't want to let her do it. Don't, like, don't give it away. You can't give it. Yeah, you can't. I won't give it away. I won't give away what it is, but he doesn't want to let her do it because it is a blow to his ego. And I have, I will say, you know, we try to keep politics out of it generally, but I'm also listening to a book on tape about Trump's, what was happening behind the scenes. And Trump had the same issue. He would rather have 600,000 people die than admit that he messed up. You know, it's like, you know, it's one of those things, but I went and looked at some of the comments on IMDb and Mary Farron, uh, she writes the following, which I really think is such an important part of it all. My husband and I watched this gripping series with anticipation the last few nights. My husband had emergency surgery last July, 2020 to repair his broken left hip right in the middle of COVID-19. And he was happy he had not watched this movie about guns prior to his surgery. Otherwise, in spite of his pain, he may have postponed the necessary surgery a little longer. The actors in this series did a wonderful job in their respective roles. I feel the Joshua Jackson portrayal of sociopath Dunst was so well done. Kudos to Christian Slater, Alec Baldwin, Grace Gummer, Anna Sophia Robb for their wonderful acting performance. Great. You know, by the way, Mary, if you ever want to come on our show, we'd love to have you (laughs) because well said. But I think what's so funny is I don't think anybody watching this didn't think, Oh my God, if I'm ever going to have to go on the table, you know, how do I know, you know? Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I have chronic pain. I suffer, I have two herniated degenerative discs. That's what a uh, childhood gymnastics will get you. And I've seen countless specialists and they've all told me, you can walk into my office, you can walk right out into physical therapy. And after watching this TV show, I can really appreciate why. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I've never wanted to go under the knife if I didn't have to. And I'm very lucky that I haven't had to, but do your research on who's doing your yeah, surgeries, absolutely. you know, just because they've got awards on their walls and a diploma on the wall doesn't mean that they necessarily did everything that it says that they did. Right, well, <laughs> and this show will prove that to you. So it's, so it's worth a watch just for the people alone. I think. I want to ask you though, the last line, there's a bunch of tags that take us out of the show at the end. Did you clock the last line that was no before the credits? No. What was it? It was something along the lines of this happened once, it'll happen again. Oh, it's happening again. No question. I was really confused by that line because 
it wasn't followed by if you see malpractice, please report it to <laughs> or if you've been a victim of malpractice, please call this hotline. It was just there. There wasn't a call to action. There wasn't a, here's where you can get help. It was just, that's the world we live in, I guess. Well, but maybe that's appropriate. But the other thing is whenever someone's policing your own posse, it's like when the unions decide, you know, who they're going to support. There's no way there can be anything other than a major conflict of interest and it needs Mm -hmm. to be addressed. So really what needs to happen is if a surgeon in anything, if a surgeon is accused of something, it should be an outside process, not from within the system. And as long as it's from within- what took him down was was it coming to the DA's office. Yep, exactly. That that stopped this man, 33 surgeries that this man- And two people died. I mean- Yeah. Yes. And most of them were marred in some way, shape, or form. There were only like two successful surgeries. What it was, was 33 out of 38 patients- were damaged on that's unbelievable excessively and didn't have to be 33 out of 38 that's a lot that's a I mean, long time to be able to get away with it if you put those stats into any other anything <laughs> right like if you're in charge of 38 projects and 33 of them are failures you're probably getting fired <laughs> Well, I don't think you'd have the opportunity to go that far. Right, exactly. They would have fired you by then. <laughs> well, you would not have 33 opportunities, that's Ugh. for sure. So. It, it, so it is It is a little bit of a horror show. <laughs> now, also, I think we're going to do The Courier next week. That's one of the ones I think, did you pick that or did I pick that? You picked that. These are both yours. But it's another one. You might want to watch it before you listen to what we're going to talk about, because there's going to, I'm going to announce it right up front. We'll have to be doing some spoilers on that. And so, and again, it's a true story. So, and just like this one, there's, it's good to do it two weeks in a row because it's right up there. But the other thing is we did get a couple of requests to do certain things this past week. I'm not sure whether they're going to do it or not. We'll, I'm going to talk with Wilder later and we'll decide, but if there's something you think we should be reviewing, please let us know. And you can send screen thoughts at gmail.com. If you want to A, ask us any questions, yell at us, do whatever. So don't forget to write in if you have something. We love it when you yell at us. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Well, yeah, because we're yelling at each other sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah. we're usually yelling at each other. <laughs> and I want everyone out there to know that we like and respect each other tremendously. Very much. Yes, very much, very much. Very much. <laughs> so thanks for this. Thanks for watching. Are you mad at me for making you? Oh, yeah. Very, very much. (laughs) But I got through it. I'll live. (laughs) All right. And also, just to end, did you see Vogue magazine's ridiculous article on the 15 makeovers in films that mattered? No. Fill me in. Okay. So get this, Walter. Did you see Vogue magazine's ridiculous article rating 20 movie makeovers from lazy to jaw-dropping? No, I did not. First of all, what irritates the hell out of me is it was all women. How about male makeovers? Of course. Weren't weren't there any of those? Okay, Miss Congeniality. Do you remember that makeover? Yeah, that movie doesn't hold up, unfortunately. Okay, please. (laughs) Don't wears Prada. Also also a tough one, but at least I I like Andy. I I loved it. I thought that was good. But some of these were just so irritating. Um, Clueless. What was the point of this? The point of it was to say... 
here's the one that got me just railing is Catwoman. Okay, I know what you're thinking. We choose this Catwoman to review, but hear me out. Halle Berry's transformation from the shy Patience Phillips to the fiery, sexy Catwoman is the only good part of the movie. So let's give it the moment it deserves. Okay, seriously? I, I just, I don't know, Grease. You know, it was so typical of how you take somebody who was fine the way they were and you make them look different or you look, make them look the way Vogue wants them to look. And then I all of a sudden they're like, Randy you know. Cinderella in here. That's like I, the whole point of the show. I thought Vogue magazine had moved way past this. They did Made in Manhattan. Do you remember that one when Jennifer oh, Lawrence yeah. dressed up? Okay, Pretty Woman. Well, they've woman. got your favorite movie on here. Second well, they, favorite movie, I should say. <laughs> pretty Woman. They do. They do. They yeah. Do. Pretty woman walking. Juan is on here? What? what? This is the weirdest list. I know. Come on, Vogue. Look, I think Vogue can be intelligent. I love that they had to sneak a man in here. I- intelligent. Mrs. Doubtfire had to sneak a man in there. Okay. I just, I don't know. It was so disappointing. And Anne Hathaway is in several of these movies. Well, and Cruella, and so is, you know, you know. Yeah. Well, so. yeah, but that's that's a movie all, that's, uh, I don't know. I don't understand the point of this article. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say, I, you know, I expect more from you, Vogue. And I think you should definitely uh, do something in film, something around film that has real chops on it rather than this kind of BS. You should give Anna a call. Let her know. Oh, yeah, I'll give, yeah, because she loves to hear from me, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Who doesn't? All right. I'll see you later, Wilder. <laughs> Thanks. Adios. Bye. Bye.